This is a Mr. Thrive Media production. All right, folks, I got a real treat for you today. We need some good vibes. We need some positive vibes. And who better than a comedian? In this case, Ahmed Al-Khadri. I was referred to him and this gentleman. He is absolutely hysterical. He is funny. He is kind. And he is totally welcoming. He is the most approachable individual. And I'm so, so excited to introduce you guys to him. One of the greatest ways that I got to know of his craft is that he went to one of my networking parties and opened up stand-up comedy. That is virtual stand-up comedy for my networking party. And you know what? He killed. He did a fantastic job. Gut-busting humor to get us all warmed up. Definitely left a positive vibe to get what we needed started. So with all being said, I want to introduce you guys to Ahmed Al-Khadri. But before we do that, that ties in another reminder. We have our next networking party on October 27th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We hope to see you there. You can find the link in the bio on Instagram to register, or you can sign up to our newsletter to get all updates on the Halloween networking party. I know you're going to love it. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Ladies and gentlemen, stand-up comedian Ahmed Al-Khadri. You have stumbled upon Mr. Thrive Stars of Tomorrow, where together we will discover emerging artists. Stand-up comedian Ahmed al Kadri. Ahmed, what's wrong? <laughs> I, know, I just I wanted to go for a silly, monotone character voice. <laughs> I just, just imagine that's my intro. Hi, I'm a stand-up comedian named Ahmed al Kadri. Well, that I mean, I don't, we don't have to imagine it. That, that was it. That was the whole. That was the whole intro, man. That that's it. That was your one shot. I sound like the I sound like the old front desk lady from Monsters Inc. You know what I mean? <laughs> you forgot your papers. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> Mike Wazowski, you forgot your paperwork again. Would you ever do an entire set in that voice? Oh yeah. Hey everybody, I lost 14 pounds it's this really cool diet named Ramadan. <laughs> 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 I think you just found my new angle. Just I like, just found it. I we just found it. No, I am an American Muslim in America. <laughs> <laughs> well, like well, it's it's. I mean, it's incredible because it tells an entire story. The voice alone, you don't really even need to say <laughs> anything real. Who the fuck is this guy? It's just like the other day I was dating this <laughs> You know what? You wouldn't be a stand-up comedian within the first 10 seconds. I'm already having a great time. This is fantastic. I'm, <laughs> I am loving this. Uh, Ahmed, the way that I met you is yeah. our, our, we have a, well, he's not my friend, but I would like him to be my friend. Perry Grown introduced great me to, to you. He said you're a fantastic stand-up comedian. And then I invited you to open up for are networking parties which are hosted at the end of every month mm-hmm. and Ahmed what was your impression of those those networking parties it was a lot of fun and I was so nervous because I honestly did not know what to expect I've I've volunteered at like not a networking party but I, I once volunteered at like this not as it was like a summit I guess or an actors summit or basically a casting director was just talking to a bunch of actors but it was my roommate's aunt that was holding the event. So we went there to volunteer and pass out food and stuff. 
and you saw a lot of actors networking with each other. But that's the close. I like yours way better. It was yours was fun and it was like a networking party, but it was also like a tight niche community of everyone just really nice to each other. Everyone's really chill. And there's some really talented people. Like when I was at that artist or actor summit, I saw a bunch of actors like, hey, follow me on Instagram. And you're like, I roll, you know. But here it's like you had wonderful singers, musicians, fucking writers, freaking directors, creators, amazing sketch artists. Like there was just, just what Jada Pickensmith says about her kids. We just have so much talent. <laughs> we just have so much talent in this family. I don't even have to pitch my own, my own networking events. I'm just going to take that audio clip and use it to advertise every single time I just need to convince someone to come to my events. That's perfect. It really is, man. I, and I was nervous because I was like, I haven't done a Zoom show in a while and it's a good audience, but they loved it. I thought I bombed because of the audio thing, but then everyone was like, dude, you killed it. And then two people Venmoed me and I was like, oh my God. Like, oh, that's so good to someone, hear. Yeah, someone, I don't want to say his name, but, but all I know is he's a great guy. He Venmoed me $20. And another girl vented me $5. And I was like, dude, I made 25 bucks. This is awesome. I'm going to buy so much Taco Bell. Wow. I, you know what? Yeah, because we, we for, our, for any artist that performs at these events, we always host, we always, we always post a virtual tip jar in support of the local artists. I actually have always avoided that question of if the artist has earned any money from the event, because I'm honestly always a little scared. To hear yeah. that you actually earned a little bit of money makes me really happy. I'm just happy it's, it's helping your career. You know, you can, you you can you can do a lot with twenty five dollars. No, you can't. But it's, you it's at least a nice gesture. I mean, let's start. I could buy like at least ten orders of the new Little Caesars stuffed crazy bread. I can. Uh, Those last a long time. Yeah. Oh, it lasts. Yeah, man. I could go to Costco, get some lentil soup, and then fuck it, get some extra bread. And man, I could do so much for twenty five bucks. <laughs> Dude, speaking of Costco, think of all the hot dogs you can get at Costco. Like got, the dude, dollar, so much hot the dollar dogs. fifty. Dude, I it's a dollar fifty hot dog, dog pizza with a drink. Why have I never thought to take any girl on a date to Costco? Because like it's it's not just the really good but cheap food. It's also all the samples you get, and then oh, the people watching of all the yes. jobs that are that are hoarding in Costco, and like. Yeah making bets on who which person's going to leave with the largest cart and <laughs> oh my god there's so many different things you can do at costco i've never thought about this oh costco day hide and go seek at costco like you're hiding in all the shelves <laughs> oh my god or just say hey where the uh coconut covered cashews are like play that <laughs> game because I always have a hard time follow, finding that product. That's my well, favorite. Well, perfect. Well, without getting too far into this particular tangent, <laughs> I just have to say that I actually had no idea that you were you had no idea that you were nervous for the event, and you were a fantastic comedian. Which is why, on the spot, I put you on the spot. I put you on the spotlight, and I said, "Do you want to be on my podcast?" And you said, "No, okay." No, I did not. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, "Oh uh, yeah!" Like. Dude, I'm such a bitch, bro. I'm happy. I'm happy to be anywhere. I have no ounce of self-esteem. Like, I'll always be happy if I have the time to be on anyone's podcast. I want the clout. 
I need the fans. <laughs> well, I, I am flattered to have you here. Have you been on podcasts before? Oh, plenty, plenty. Oh, God. So I'm not original. I'm no longer, I'm, this is not a special interview, you know. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I like this podcast. I really do. I'm having fun. You're so, like, fluid. Like, oh, you're easy you. to talk to, man. Thank you. No, well, that's the thing. I do not like interviews that are just robotic questions shot at the guest. And then the guest is supposed to act like in a really pleasing, natural and fun way. But yeah. you get this inauthentic version of that person. Yeah. Like, You're, you, you do it like Rogan, except you don't bring up MMA or chimps. So. Right, right. Well, not yet anyway. We haven't gotten there yet. That, or like, it's like, have you tried elk? Just, yeah. I don't know. It's like a neuroscientist is talking about the physics of wormholes. And then, and then Rogan tries to relate that to elk meat. Right, right, right. And then goes on to talk about a DMT trip. And then it's a DMT trip. <laughs> I, I joke because I watch Joe Rogan a lot. So I'm, I think I have that past. Well, good. No, yeah. Joe Rogan is fantastic. I I referred to him on a recent podcast when someone else brought him up. I'm like, yeah, all of us podcasters refer to Joe Rogan as daddy, daddy Rogan, daddy Rogan, because he's the fucking father of podcasts. I mean, not really the father. He is, he is, uh, like, it's not my joke. Theo Vaughn said this, uh, Joe Rogan is Oprah for men. Oh my God. Yes. So funny. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> wow. That is a life-changing comment right there. I'm now looking at Joe Rogan so differently. Exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. Oh my God. I, I hope that, I hope I get to be on that man's podcast one day and I'm just right. Hey, same here, man. That's yeah. the dream, man. I would love to be on that podcast, smoke his weed and <laughs> yeah. talk to him about fucking elk meat and champs and, and you know, Right. I'll try to convert him in a sec. (laughs) I want to, I want to, I want to smoke a cigar with him. Like he's done on his podcast uh, and and drink whiskey with that man because he's the man's man. He teaches people how to be. He is. Yeah. He's definitely mask for mask. That's for sure. (laughs) Well, listen, we've been, we've been shooting back and forth and we're going to continue to shoot back and forth a lot more, but this podcast episode is about you. Yeah. And it's about the human side of you and your story. And what's led up to now? Well, let's talk about that, my friend. Where are you from? I'm from uh, Dallas, Texas. My parents are originally from the Yemen. It's a small Arabian country that is in the Middle East. Is there a big Arabic community in Dallas? Yeah, it is. Not a big Yemeni community per se, but a big Arab community. Gotcha. And would you say that it's pretty intermingled with, with the the outsiders so to speak or would you say that it's pretty sort of i mean in dallas like when i first moved to dallas when i was like what in kindergarten like it was it was it wasn't it was bigger than most cities sort of like i'd say dallas was like a growing city in the most uh dallas was a sorry the muslim community in texas like in dallas houston and and San Antonio and Austin, like it was slow, it's just slowly growing. Cause a lot of Muslims are back in like, especially Yemenis are back in like Dearborn and Michigan or East coast, like New York, New Jersey, lots of Arabs and Muslims over there. But when I was growing up, it wasn't, it was, it had like potential to be 
what it is now, which is a really big community. You know, there's different community, Muslim communities in Dallas alone. Um, but I was pretty involved from it because I went to uh, this Islamic school called Brighter Horizons Academy. BHA, whoop, whoop. No, um, that's not how we are at all. No. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we throw up gang signs. No, it, we really, we we're just, yeah. Um, we had the, we had we had the BHA Stars. That was our soccer team, and then, um, yeah, and, you, and then you would learn uh, Islamic studies, like along with like math, science, and all the other fundamentals. You would learn Islamic studies, Arabic, and uh, Quran, the Quran class. Quran. Yeah. I, I say I say amazing because when you when you envision Dallas in your head, the last thing you think of are the Muslim Arab communities that exist within it, and it sounds like it's really grown into something uh, kind of significant and beautiful, significant part of Dallas. I guess I'm just like I'm so curious about like the dynamics between people who are who are not Muslim from Texas who live in Dallas and, and those who are. Oh, actually, it's a lot better than you think. I mean, in Texas. Even though it's a very, very red state, uh, the major cities are pretty blue, you know? And if you're in, like, if you're now, like, how big the Muslim community is now, it's like, if you're a, you're a white, like, a Christian or a Jew or any other religion just growing up in Dallas, Texas, like, once you hit college, at least college, you're bound to meet a Muslim. Like, when I was in college, when I joined a fraternity, I was like, all of my all of my fraternity brothers, like for whoever considered whoever of them considered me as their friend, I was their first Muslim friend. Actually, the first Muslim person they had a full on conversation, you know. To. Yeah. So. Did they ever ask I mean, a really dumb question? I mean, it's there are such. <laughs> I mean, I, as like you try to not be rude, like there's no such thing as dumb questions, you know, but there are times where you're like, um, it's not that it's dumb. It's, we think it's dumb, but it's, they're just naive. They don't know anything. So they're just going to ask. I mean, I honestly can't think of a specific example right now. Right. But, right. I mean, let me think. I like, guess for example, reason. you're from, you're from, they'll be like, oh, so you're from Islam. Like they're, I was like, no, it's. It's like they can't differentiate that Arab is a people and a culture and a race, and then Muslim and Islam is a religion, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like sometimes they had like confusion, they would have confusion about that. Um, so, I mean, yeah. the reason why I ask is because I, I can relate as a Jew, you know, plenty of people, they'll, they'll first get like wide-eyed, like, oh, you're Jewish. And then I, there's kind of like this, I'll admit, I hold my breath for a second because I don't know what the next follow up they go they go like this ew no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well like well like you know i've gotten some weird reactions to people asking me about my judaism so it's like and it's not that different than any other religion really but but you know like like there's some innocent questions like why do you eat matzah <laughs> what? or like like how come you guys get so many presents on christmas like they've asked like some funny questions those are weird questions man you've got some weird questions right right but then but then i mean like i can't believe i'm going to talk about this but there's like this one guy uh just less than less than a year like just a little over a year ago he asked me this really awful anti-semitic question and he said like this one guy in, in a workplace too by the way I was, okay. I was in a professional setting this one guy he asks me 
How come the Jews were so submissive to the point where they'd happily walk into ovens is what he asked. And I was like, what? I I was like, that is not what happened. If he framed the question maybe a little bit more differently, I would have maybe answered it in a, in a much more calm (sighs) tone, but I, I blew up with this guy. Like you're in a professional setting. Like you cannot talk to me like that. You think we happily walked to the death chambers? Fuck you, man. And really, it's like, let's say his intentions, it's like, where did he get that idea from? That means he probably watched something or he heard it from another racist, anti-Semitic person. Yeah. So then he actually believes that, you know what I mean? I mean, but like, like those Uh, moments where it's like very, that is fucking it's it's, it's mind blowing. It's totally mind blowing. But then y'all makes- definitely y'all definitely did not happily walk into the ovens. No, <laughs> no, no, no one does. But like, <laughs> like, like this is why like this is why I'm like so curious when I meet like other minorities, especially with religions that are so similar to Judaism. I think Islam is so similar to Judaism. It's really beautiful, and that's why I'm always yeah, like. Curious I don't know if you read. There's actually lots of similarities between Judaism and Islam. The only difference is that Islam is the religion. That's <laughs> right, right. I mean, like, like we both have our versions of kosher. We have kosher. You have halal, right? We have halal, yeah. And then, and then, I mean, I, I, I remember at San Francisco State, I made my first Muslim friend, and we were invited by the Muslim Student Association to witness prayer. Upon bringing us in at San Francisco State, they welcomed us with, with little bags of dried fruit and nuts. And in water, it was like the equivalent of going to a movie theater and giving us popcorn and a a drink, you know, but they were very welcoming. And then they they did their prayers and they let us observe. It was beautiful. And I was like, oh, my God, this call and response prayer feels so much like the Hadodi, which is a prayer in Judaism. So it was like, it was beautiful. It really was. It is beautiful. Yeah. And that that is interesting that Judaism, yeah, y'all do the same thing where you call a prayer and y'all all get together and, you know read the Torah, which is similar, you know, to Islam. Uh, and, and it's funny that you said uh, Muslim Student Association. There's an MSA in every college campus. Not every, I want to say every, but like, it's you a know, pretty most, big organization. If you go to any school, like there's going to be an MSA there. You know? Did you get involved at yours? <laughs> no. God, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Dude, the MS, so I went to University of Texas at Dallas. UTD already, already had a big Muslim population, right? <laughs> right. So it's like, oh, so the MSA there is they either just scold other Muslims for not being Muslim enough, <laughs> or it's like a weird dating service. Lots of MSA, people get into MSA and then they try to find other Muslimas, <laughs> you know, a nice little woman with a killing it in a hijab and then they ask for their ask for their hand wow did you ever at least get curious about like what was going on in that msa or you just had no interest at that point i just i mean i had friends in msa but i was just doing my own shit like i was i was involved in the middle eastern student association which is mesa and okay. freshman year of college, I was in a Debka team. Oh, man, I, I completely forgot team? about that. What is I was that? in a Debka team freshman year of college. Debka, it's like a Lebanese-Palestinian type of dance where Debka, where you stomp on the ground, right? Just okay. look up when after this podcast, or you could do it now. I don't care. You could do it now. Look up Debka, D-A-B-K-E. So I did that for a little bit. I, I really enjoyed doing that Dubka dance. 
it was like me and another team. I can't really find the specific. Oh, okay. That was pretty fun. Okay. Our performance. But yeah, it was lots of fun. I, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and then sophomore year of, of college, I joined a fraternity. And that's when I started hanging out with white people. And I go, wow, these people are way better than brown people. <laughs> what, what made you say that? <laughs> oh, was that no, sarcasm? I just, I just, I'm being sarcastic. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I was just... <laughs> I forgot I was talking to a comedian. So I have to take everything you say with a grain of salt. I take myself very seriously, Charles. No, um, <laughs> I just like being in a fraternity. I mean, I was never involved in like this party culture. I sure. really enjoyed going to these parties. It was fun. I had a good time. Which frat were you in? Uh, Sigma Alpha Epsilon. Sigma Alpha Epsilon. Okay, gotcha. I was in AE Pi. I was in the Jew frat. AE Pi? Yeah. Do they have one there? No. They didn't have a Jew they frat had, there? Uh, they had ZBT. Oh, okay. That's kind and of like... And then it got kicked out before I even started college. Oh, shit. Did they haze yeah. or something? I think they got in trouble for hazing, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. ZBT is like, they used to be a Jewish fraternity, and then they stopped being a Jewish fraternity. It's now just mostly a Jewish fraternity. It's kind of yeah, funny. Yeah, it's mostly Jews in that fraternity. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I don't know. It's kind of a funny thing. And then there's, there's Sammy, but then there's AEPI. And I was an AEPI, but um, gotcha. So they were, they were kicked out of school, but you're in Sigma Alpha Epsilon. That's what you said? Yeah. Gotcha. I got a question for you. Cause I know that, I mean, in regards to being a Muslim in a fraternity, did you drink? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, I, I had a period where I drank for a little bit. I mean, it was just, like I said, it was part of the culture, you know? Yeah. And then I stopped drinking. And I was like, yeah, I like weed more. Okay. So all the while, how'd your family react to that? Or did they not know? Oh, they don't know. My parents and I, we have a strict don't ask, don't tell policy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't think that's how it works, but all right. (laughs) Hey, they don't ask. All right. Don't tell them. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. It makes sense. Okay. Uh, If you were Arab or Muslim, you would understand. Let's just say that. You would totally get it. You're saying that there's consequences because of the yeah, cultural... and it's more like they know my older brother drinks, and it, it's like very, it's like they don't want to know because then it's you're disrespecting them. It's like a lot to do with like respect and moral high ground and blah blah blah. And I'm not gonna sit there and tell my parents, hey, mom and dad, I used to drink. I know it's so bad and blah blah. Like I'm not gonna sit there and uh, I don't know. My parents and I aren't friends like what white people have. <laughs> We're just, hey, they're my parents. I love them. You know, we talk frequently about, you know, stuff like about religion and our other, and then talk shit about other family members, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't That's know. Family. Yeah. I don't know where else we're going with this about family, but you know what I mean. No, no, no. I, I honestly was just curious about that, that, that relationship culture no no you are you are right like to ask because it's like you really couldn't drink but also like i'm fucking in college man i'm Mm, i'm here to find myself (laughs) right i'm not here to see who i am as a person (laughs) right no it's kind of true i mean internally i'll tell you going into college i had just had this heartbreak okay I, I was dating this hey, girl man, in high school we all for, do. for we two all got years. That break. And then, you know, the classic story of breaking up as soon as you get into college. And I was totally heartbroken. Yeah. And then 
I became, and, and I'm pretty sure my parents know this, they will definitely know this now because they listen to yeah. this podcast, but yeah. I was the biggest slut. And like, I, <laughs> I, like I, I, I mean, I was, I was frivolous, man. You're it out there. I mean, I was San Francisco State. You're like, dude, I mean, Charles Volk's legs open for business, baby. (laughs) You can call my. Come on over here and ride this bull, baby. (laughs) (laughs) My heart's broken. And then after you go home, after your little shameful fuck, you go back home and then you blast the script. You're like, I'm still alive, but I'm barely breathing. Just praying to a God that I don't believe in. And then you sit there crying in your pillow. <laughs> As you match with another girl on Tinder, you whore. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> you just summed up all four years of my college experience right there. I don't need to even elaborate Dude, is further. Heart, is your heart still broken eight no. years later? <laughs> no, no. Not, not, by, not by that girlfriend, at least. Different girlfriend. But anyway. <laughs> oh my god that's That's fucking hysterical (laughs) did you have a girl in? did you have a girl in college yeah man we were in love we dated for fucking two months man we were gonna make it baby (laughs) (laughs) then she just broke my heart bro (laughs) and then you became a slut just like me (laughs) i mean i wasn't really a slut i mean i had a reputation of being a slut i think it just happened (laughs) randomly because one day i was at a fraternity party and i was a junior at the time and this one freshman who was trying to rush he goes you're all mad right man i heard you're like the biggest player here and then like one i was initially gonna just be like no i'm not a player but then the small voice behind me was just like hey man just let it happen (laughs) just like just let people think that you're killing it who cares like it's not like you're getting like so people thought I was getting laid a lot, but I really wasn't. Right. Did you ever reveal the truth? My friends knew the truth. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I think I know exactly why the rumor why the rumor spread the way it did. I think I know exactly why. Why? Because you're fucking hot. That's why. Like when oh, you because you I, I remember like so <laughs> when when you jumped onto the Zoom call before you turned on your video camera, I see just the thumbnail of you. Yeah. And I don't know who took that headshot of you, but oh my god, it gets me it gets me steamy inside. I feel like you're about to serenade me, or at least I'm oh, wishing man. I am. Don't, don't, you can't woo me with your old slut ways, Charles. <laughs> I'm Damn, not gonna just, be swooned you know how by I do you. It. <laughs> Stop. So yeah, that thumbnail was taken what back in 2016, actually. That's okay. when it was taken. Maybe was, 17. Was that for your acting? What was that for exactly? Yeah, I I started doing improv and then I, and this is dumb, but I started doing improv, but at the same time, it was, I still remember, it was Valentine's Day of 2016. I met this model. She was a runway model for like a lot of Dallas fashion runway shows. And her name is Brittany Strange. Shout out to her. She met me at a party and we were talking, but she said, you could be a model, but you smile too much. <laughs> like, Wait, well, yeah. what? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm an idiot. And then she's like, no, for real, like you should, you should uh, try it. So she hooked me up with this one designer in Dallas named Francisco Flores. Great guy. Um, and he holds this runway show every April in Dallas. So 
he let he put me on the runway so my first runway show was april of 2016 i did a runway i was i did a fashion show and i wore like a couple outfits and from that show i met a lot of photographers one particular photographer was like hey you need let me like let me shoot you like some really good headshots i could give you the best headshots ever and i'll give you a good deal all right no he did it for free actually yeah wow yeah so that picture of me that you see that's like one of my best headshots ever it really is i mean it's it's, it's a, it is very yeah i mean yeah you're telling me i'm i'm three years older Ahmed, looking at that photo i'm just like damn man i was killing it dude you know that fucking smolder <laughs> look i'm telling you like the the muslim community that you grow up with i mean i still keep in touch with all my friends that i graduated with that's amazing so i mean because yeah that school took place from a pretty young age all the way to high school so you guys mm -hmm. had all that time to really bond and share a childhood together it, yeah yeah they're all they're all my lifelong friends do you all have a do you have a best friend from that group that you'd like to give a shout out to yeah, uh, shout out to my two best friends, Ali Sahiti and Ikram Sayed. Ikram just got married. Ali just uh, saved 15% more on his car insurance, so he's doing pretty well, too. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. He, he's engaged, but uh, Ikram just got married, so uh, we're giving him more. Wow. Good for those guys. Congratulations yeah. to them both. <laughs> awesome. Uh, but yeah, they're really cool. You know what's so funny is I just got a text from Ali because so me, Ali, and Akram are in a group text, and I just shared them a song. Uh, I listen. I have SoundCloud, so I just okay. screenshotted a SoundCloud song and I sent it to him, and he goes, "Ahmed, dot dot dot, SoundCloud is still running." That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Gonna say, as a podcaster, I'm, I'm totally engrossed in like all the, the, the platforms and SoundCloud is the one I purposely don't even touch with a 10 foot pole. I, I think about this a lot as a stand up comedian, man. Always people think that they're like, are you the funniest one in your family? I'm like, oh no. My friends and family back home, I think, in my opinion, I think they're the funniest people I know. My family is hilarious. My brother's are really funny. My best friends, Ali and Akram and Hamza, they make my they make me laugh all the time. I think they're way funnier than me. And I even tell them, like, dude, y'all need to do stand up. Like I tell Ali that, but Ali's like, no, I'm funny. I don't need to prove that I'm funny to people. And I'm like, I'm insecure enough to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like I still remember the day it was um it was November of 2015 because I just bought my, I used the Black Friday sale of Dallas Comedy House to buy an improv class starting January of 2016. Uh, my New Year's resolution for 2016 was to just go like start improv and start going comedy like 100%. I was like, I have a degree, I have a job. Like I graduated, I got my job in accounting. Like now I can focus on comedy during my spare time. And right when I got my tick, like my class, I got the email confirmation and Ali was sitting, it was sitting next to me. And I was like, dude, I got it. I'm like starting improv in January. He goes, you better be funnier after this class. <laughs> <laughs> dude, shout out to my best friends. Cause they came to all my improv shows. And I don't know how you, I don't know if you've been to improv shows, but they can be pretty cringy. <laughs> I've been to a ton. I mean, it's funny, you know, all the, all the improv shows I've gone to have been incredibly fun, but uh, tell me about the cringiness. What do you mean by that? Oh, don't get me wrong. My, 
like my current or my old improv troupe, Sunglow, we were killing it. We've had plenty of good shows, but that's how comedy troops are. It's like, you're going to have bad shows and you're going to have good shows. He was there for all my good shows, but he was also there at my level one improv class graduation. It was obviously we were terrible. It was very cringy. That was, was like, it was my best friend and all my other friends first improv show and they're just like what the fuck are we watching (laughs) but then later like you know a couple months later when i was graduating from the improv program they came to see my show and we killed and it was like all my brothers and my my friends and family that came they were like oh that's crazy it's like you're really getting more comfortable off stage on stage and stuff like they've been they've been uh my number one supporters you know, since day one, like they saw all my bad shows. And now there's now that I'm like more experienced as a comedian, there's, you know, when I did a show in March, I killed it. And they just see the, the growth, you know, and I'm only going to get better from here. This reminds me of something that I, I've heard from, believe it or not, Jewish children's books, right? Where they explain that, that a rich man isn't a man with money, but a rich man is those who have all the friends and family and love in the world, right? Oh yeah, that Sounds was like definitely you come from a very supportive community. Not just your family, but your friends, those you grew up with, this comedy group that you just mentioned. It, it sounds like something pretty special and dear to you. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they, if it wasn't for all of them, I wouldn't be here. I really, if it wasn't for Sunglow, I wouldn't have had the confidence to move to LA. What is Sunglow exactly? So Dallas Comedy House before they closed down. They, they shut down because of the pandemic. But back then when I was taking classes there, every term, like every two months, they, they would hold an audition for uh, performers called the Ewing. And they basically will have two teams, right? And they would like pick like eight improvisers for each team. So they, you would all audition together. And then two coaches that are watching the audition, they pick and choose specific improvisers and then they assemble their own team and there's this improv uh format called the ewing that dallas comedy house created which is basically uh three it's you get a one word suggestion and then three different initiation scene and then the fourth scene is the theme that establishes the theme of the show and then the rest of the show is you connecting like you're creating a world together you know what I'm talking about? I, I suppose so, but I, it sounds a lot more complicated. It's, one of those, it's hard to explain, but you would have to like watch. You'd have to watch the, the show. Okay, gotcha. Like, we would create a whole world. Uh, we would improvise a whole world all based off a of one word suggestion. And we would go from there. Um, it, it almost sounds like D&D a little bit in that world building aspect of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there's a lot of improv podcasts too. That is true. What what were, yeah. what are some of your favorite ones? Matt Bessers. Have you heard of him? No. Improv for Humans. Okay. Just what that one's that's just the one I like. Um, there's a couple I can't really remember, but no. I mean, if you think about it, like this podcast is also improvised too. It know? is. It is. I mean, um, okay. So, like a little bit of like a little bit of the secrets of this podcast right now for the listeners who are who are here. And by the way, thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, before anyone comes onto the show, I do a pre-interview session, 
where I jot down notes based on the style of the interview of the person and discuss any no-go zones, no-go topics, uh, discuss what they want to talk about, what they want to push, etc. Like, for example, Ahmed told me not to talk about his third nipple on his right butt cheek, but we're not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we will talk about the fact that he has a really great looking Apple watch on the screen right now. Uh, so, it's a Fitbit, Fitbit. Oh, Fitbit. Excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. But, I'm not bougie. <laughs> I don't have that Apple money. <laughs> Ain't no one got that Apple money during these days. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> Long story short with Sunglow, when I was a level, in level three, a couple other of us were in different levels of the program, but we all auditioned. And this improviser, the coach, he picked eight of us. And we ended up doing this Ewing together. And then we ended up, be, we stuck together and became a troop together. And we ended up having like really good shows. And we just got better and better and better. That's great. Was that while you were in college or after college? This was after college. Like my comedy career started after college. Right. And during college, did you know what you wanted to do exactly? What's funny was freshman year of college, I knew like before I pick my major. I knew I wanted to be in entertainment, but I just know that because you're in the Muslim community, like there are Arab men that will make fun of you if you got a psych, a psychology, a philosophy degree or a theater degree or like any degree that doesn't make money. So what I did was I Googled, (laughs) I Googled best degrees to get a job in. And then I was like, Oh, accountants. All right. I'll just, I'll just do accounting. So I just chose that as my major. And I wanted to get, I, I actually graduated a semester early. I wanted to get out of there quickly. I, I mean, school was, it was fun. I had, to, I had a good time in college. I really wanted to just get out there and, you know, get my degree and get a job, get a, like a nice, with a nice salary or like not amazing, but a good enough salary to where I could just, you know, support myself, help support my family, like give money to my family if they need it. Yeah, and, you want to hit the ground running. Yeah, and then just, and then go uh, and then do comedy. I mean, I was always a big fan of comedy growing up. I wanted to do stand-up. I just didn't know the blueprint of the outlet. You know, I did an open mic freshman year of college. I bombed really hard. And then after I graduated, I just had, honestly, man, I'm, I'm glad, like, I started comedy at 22 years old rather than 18 years old. Because, man, I had a lot of growing up to do. What like, was something that you had to really get over? Insecurities, emotional intelligence, your inner love for yourself or just confidence in yourself and also just experience, you know? I never, I was 18 years old, never drank, never kissed a girl, never fucking, no, nah, I smoked weed, but I, I didn't have enough life experience. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Right. And I, I guess that's the best way to put it. I still have growing up to do now. I mean, that's the name of my podcast, Grow Up with Mike and Ahmed. We're releasing at the end of the month. But Congratulations. Thanks. But yeah, that, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> no, of course it did. Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, listen, the growth, the growth of any individual is, is always something. Everyone has their own individual story to the point where everyone's story, I, I would say, is, is pretty interesting. You know, there's, everyone's special in their own way. You went through something. You were going through something and, and you found comedy eventually over time yeah. you had to get out of that and that, that I mean, that's, I mean what, that's what happens man yeah yeah i wanted i wanted to be a comedian i just didn't know how and i kept asking questions like after i did that one open mic freshman year of college didn't do very well i was so nervous so nervous up there 
And then um, after college, I was like, oh, I want to do comedy. I just like, I just don't know how or where, or where can I do it? Because I just worked as an accountant and, and I would just watch a lot of comedy and then I would try to write my own jokes. They were terrible jokes, but I tried to write my own jokes. And then my friend, I still remember this. My friend Luis De La Fuente goes, hey, I took an improv class at Dallas Comedy House. I didn't like it, but I know you would love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's what got me into Dallas Comedy House. I signed up for a class. They, they had the Black Friday deal. I signed up for a class, fell in love. And it was good because I was an improviser and, a, and doing sketch first. And that gave me enough confidence to do stand-up again. Totally. I yeah. got to ask you, I got to ask you a question that I've never experienced. I've witnessed it. I've witnessed it in real life. I've, I've witnessed what a bomb looks like, and I can only imagine how it feels, but I want to hear it from you. What does it mean to bomb? Man, it is the worst fucking feeling ever. Um, <laughs> but it's also the best tasting. It's the worst tasting medicine you'll ever have. It really is like, What's the, what's the medicine part of it exactly? What's the healing problem? It's the there? fact that you can't escape a bomb as just as a performer. You're going to have bad shows, you know, especially as, comedian, as a comedian. You're going to bomb and you're going to fail. And it's not pretty when it happens. But then when it does happen, you learn from it, you grow from it. And you need to be resilient in the sense of you need to get back on stage and just fucking try again, you know, try the joke again or try whatever you need to try. Here's one. I had, I have a, dude, I have so many bombs. Your favorite bomb. One time, my favorite. Man, one time it was February of 2017 and I was doing, I was hosting a show and there was, there was a miscommunication with the room switch because we were first in the small room, but then they sold too many tickets, so they moved it to the big room. And they didn't tell a lot of people. So you had, while I'm hosting, I get up, it's the, the crowd, the, the crowd, or sorry, the audience is even, it's, we're sold out, but it's not even like, we're, I think we're only at 25% capacity in this big room, and people are still coming in, and people are ordering drinks, Coming in, the room was already off. You know, the energy was off. And I was nervous. I was still a young comedian. I was very nervous. I got up. I came on too hot. And I was trying to, to do jokes. And I was stumbling around the jokes. And then there were some jokes that were edgy. And I didn't gain the audience's trust yet. So when I would say my edgy jokes, I would just get groans and moans and not laughs. And it was just a cringy fucking show. And I still remember because Ali, my best friend who was there, <laughs> other people that came to the show, like, hey, whatever, good job, whatever. They were like, all give me side views. And Ali just looks at me and he goes, man, that was fucking cringy. Oh, man. <laughs> and I already knew I bombed so hard and I felt like shit. But him just like, in a weird way, reassured me that I, he had to reassure that I did terrible. And it, I just now me thinking about it, I'm like, so I'm sweating right now. Like, really? Because wow. when you know you're bombing on stage, it's not, it's not just a feeling that no one is laughing. 
the lights on the stage lights just start getting hotter mm. and you're and you're trying your best to just get at it you're to not be in your head but you're in your head you know and what you're think, thinking too much you're just like don't bomb you're bombing oh okay you maybe you'll get a laugh nope not a laugh and you're just doing your jokes and your dumb act <laughs> and you just and you fail you just fail and it sucks but it's but then but then you just have this like it's like a fucking you're like a fucking cocoon you go through this metamorphosis of like man i bombed so hard at this show the only way to go up from this is, is the only way to go from this is up. So you just go, fuck it. I need to, I need to step up my game. I need to write better jokes. I need to figure out what's wrong with this set. What's wrong with this bit? Why do people pull back or why, or you need to understand, I need to hit more open mics. I need to get the hang of this, you know, and you yeah. need that repetition. That's super interesting. That feeling of when the spotlight is on you, like the physical theater lights are on you and you're feeling that heat and you're starting to overthink. I've never been a stand-up comedian, but I know exactly what you're talking about because I did yeah. high school theater. Yeah. And I remember there are moments where I'm on stage and I'd forget my line and there's like this awkward pause and everyone's looking around like, whose line is it? And I'm like, oh, fuck, it's mine. What, what do I say? What do I say? <sighs> and then like I deliver the line super late and super rushed because I'm trying to like keep the pace, the momentum going. And I'm like, oh, God, it did not sound natural so, yeah, at all. It, it, it's a shitty feeling. <laughs> and, and, I've, and I've bombed on stage with uh, as an improviser. So you yeah. bomb together <laughs> yeah. while in stand up. It's like, oh, I'm, it's just me. I just suck. No, and you feel like, no, no, no. I'm saying that's how you feel after yeah. a bomb. You feel terrible. You're like, but then flip the coin. You, you kill so hard at a show. You feel like you're on top of the world. Well, that's what I was going to ask next to contrast that, you know, what is a moment that you really just felt, I don't know, relief or a certain uh, light bulb moment. You know, I, there's just gotta be these moments, these groundbreaking moments on stage that people don't realize are so groundbreaking for you personally. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've had a couple shows where in stand-up world, you say he killed, like I said, he did so well, everyone's laughing and stuff. Yeah. There is a specific feeling that you have. There, there's times where you feel like you did good, you had a good show, and you had fun, which matters. But then there's like, I feel like I only killed like once or twice. I've had lots of good shows. But if you were going to say you killed, I would say just once or twice. But it depends how high your standards are, you know? Yeah. I've had lots of really good shows. I really have. And, but I've had, there's just two shows that stand out to me where I killed, you know? Okay. Mm -hmm. Where it's like you, the whole, it's, it's the energy, you know? Not only everyone is laughing so hard that they're banging on the table, right? But it's also everybody leaves the room in a good mood because of you. And they all like that post post sweet, uh, that post the sweet, sweet post show compliments. Like what I, what I like to say is when you kill so hard, you feel good. Cause you're like, damn, all that energy I just took in on stage. And then everyone after the show, like audience members who don't even know you, they're just like, high-fiving you and like they're like you're funny you were hilarious they follow you on instagram fucking i can't wait till you're famous i'm like oh wait 10 years you know like shit like that <laughs>
but yeah, so, I mean, that, that answer, I hope that answers your question. No, 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 it does. I mean, it sounds like you, you've, I mean, obviously as a comedian, you're going to bomb like what you said before, but you've yeah. also had some incredible moments to the point where people actually believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> Including me, by the way. That is funny to say that. It's like, dude, you did so well. People believe in you. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I don't know but why, I, but I, mean I find it, it most, funny. I mean it in the most genuine way. Like I believe. Yeah, I know. You, I know you. You are a genuine person, and I know you mean that genuinely. Thank but you. But for me, I think there's some humor behind it of just someone be like, "Yo, you did so well. People believe in you now." Like, oh. I think that's, <laughs> because like, I don't like, believe in myself. That's the joke. Uh, like, like almost like a backhanded compliment. You mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, like, I remember my, in high school theater, there was this one kid none of us liked because he never deserved any of the roles he got. And we're all pretty sure that his mom would just pay his way into lead role, even though these other kids were working real hard. So every time he came off stage, we always said something very subtle to him that would just bully him. We became, this is the only time I ever participated in bullying someone, okay? This kid, I mean, he was rude, by the way. Like, just to paint, I'm like, I'm not just victimizing this kid because his mom had no, money. No, no, no. Hey, I'm pro bullying, so please tell me. All right, all right. So <laughs> you're fucked up, but <laughs> but what this kid was was mean to people. You know, he he like literally like would degrade women to their face and like would play Jesus. with their emotions. I, I I watched him do this several times with different women in high school. Um. But but he also would just, he was not graceful. He would not put in any effort into what he was doing. He always made himself the spotlight. And if he wasn't the spotlight, then he'd be a very sore loser. So we dealt with all these kind of things with this guy. So we needed to bully this guy back. And so every now and then when he'd get off stage, we'd say, we'd say a backhanded compliment that sounded like a compliment. And oh my God, like, like this one time he gets off stage and we said to him, hey, you had fun, right? Good. We could see that you were having fun. <laughs> and then like another time uh you're doing better yeah yeah we, we would say things like that to him very subtle things like that sound encouraging but we're totally trying to get to his head because fuck oh, that. i love being yeah just a little passive aggressive bitch i love that oh we, that we had such drama. a kick out of it although, that theater although drama, one, that's cool one, one day though I, I went full aggressive on this guy basically the rule was we were not allowed to leave unless everyone had cleaned up their desks and it was a school night still like he, and he was supposed to clean up his area and he hadn't because he was talking with his parents for however long he wanted to get his stuff done and the school night retired it's near final season and i i like got so fed up with waiting for this guy to show up to clean up his shit mm -hmm. That I, I announced to everyone in the room, that's it. I'm going to go call him out right now, right in front of his parents. And so I marched, and everyone wanted to see what the fuck I was going to do. So they followed behind me. I get, I, get up, I get up behind him. I remember I grabbed his shoulder. I spun him around. I said, get in that fucking room right now and clean your shit. It's a school night. I have a final eight in the morning. Get in your fucking shit. I am so tired of you and your fake fan base. Get in there right now. And like, I remember the dad was actually about to like go after me and someone else's dad held him back. This kid, I remember he went from this proud lead role looking guy and shriveled up into a shrimp and walked off and cleaned his shit. And I felt so fucking good. I mean, I good, man. honestly, man, I don't think that's bullying. I think he did him a service, man. I mean, a lot I of these, so. Listen, I, a lot I of these type of people, they just never... They just never heard no in their life. Yeah. 
kind of the root problem for a lot of people nowadays. You know, they just don't take no for an answer. Yeah, no, you're right. That's why you have a lot of Karens. So you prevented a Karen from happening. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I didn't prevent anything. He's still a Karen. He's a male Karen. Isn't that called a Kevin? One thing I could say is those guys, they don't, they don't last very long, man. They really don't with their parents connection and they're going to learn the hard way that their shit smells. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, listen, I, I wish that guy the best. I actually really do. I just wish him the best without me anywhere near him. That's all. That's it. That's really how it is. That's that's all you can do with this. Yeah, I mean, and you don't have to work with him. So that's there you go. So. He will never be on this podcast, is what I'm saying. Even yeah. if it, <laughs> let's say I get big and some agency representing him, like, is willing to pay me thousands of dollars to have him on my podcast, I'm like, no, I need millions first. Thank you. Oh <laughs> yeah. So. I, it's funny that you say parents because I've heard that this happens in the New York comedy scene, maybe in the LA scene too. But you'd see a lot of comedians that are very funny, but they grew up with very rich parents and their parents, so they just live off their parents' expenses and their parents would like pay publicists and shit to write articles about these comedians who aren't even very good. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that the shitty part now, nowadays? That's the one thing about entertainment I really don't like. It's not even about talent or skill. It's all, you gotta like, it's all about Instagram followers and Twitter followers. I mean, I complain about it, but I play the game. Like, I have to. I'm posting sketches. Yeah. I'm posting sketches. I'm now posting my, you know, clips of some of my stand-up up up there. I'm playing the game. Yeah, no, the game... The game that you're talking about definitely has a nature of being superficial, but it's still important to play it because right now that's the primary strategy until the right person views your content. So it's a game where you have to kind of step out of your own nature just to get into it. And I'm, I'm, I'm playing it too, to a certain extent. I mean, I was looking at, I was, I just downloaded TikTok and I was like, should I promote stars of tomorrow through TikTok? And I'm looking and I'm like, okay, I see that this is definitely a more tight-knit community. It's not even tight-knit, but there's definitely a very big community on TikTok for yeah. any of its content creators, right? And mm-hmm. I see how it's created a platform where people can respond to each other with content and then almost make friends virtually. My friend Dana, who was on the podcast, just passed 100,000 followers because she's a transgender bladesmith who also does cinematography like what she is awesome i love dana like i'm just glad that i was able to witness her before she got big because that is the goal of this podcast you know as an emerging artist like i'm trying to like meet the people before they become big and now that dana's big i'm gonna i mean i'm gonna capitalize on that eventually ahmed when you get big i'm gonna capitalize capitalize me yeah i'm telling you man capitalize me no matter how big i can't i i am or i will be I'm still going to do everyone's podcast where I'm, I'm very easy to reach. I'm not, (laughs) you know I mean? I am not the type of guy that thinks he's the shit. I mean, if you have my number or you have me on Instagram, message me, fucking take me out to lunch. And I'm like, all right. Or fucking, you want me, you want to be on my podcast? Sure. I got nothing else to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll we'll talk about the best way to contact you in a second. We're not quite there yet because I know there's a little, there's a few more pieces of your puzzle soon. I wanted to ask you, what is your goal as a comedian? 
My primary goal is to be a, a touring stand-up comedian. And by that is I'm able, like, I'm, it's gonna, it's a long way down the road, but hopefully soon where I could sell tickets to eight, to the big clubs around the nation. But also I could do clubs globally. You know, I could do, I could like, I could do stand-up in London, the Netherlands, Australia, fucking Canada. Anywhere that speaks uh, English, basically. Yeah, even other like Sweden and other places. Right. No, where I'm kidding. I could even the Middle East. You know, who knows? Oh yeah, right. Some right. English speakers in the Middle East. anywhere where they could speak English. If comedy, where stand-up comedy is so powerful, where I could travel and perform everywhere, that's my goal. But now, and this is like where you have to like adapt to the new ways of the game. Back then, it was if you were a good stand-up, you were a good stand-up, and then you'd have all these opportunities. But now, you need to be an—you need to be a podcaster, an Instagrammer, uh, an influencer. Sorry, uh, fucking <laughs> Twitter. You have to have all these avenues. I don't do the same type of comedy in every in every one of those avenues. Like the funny I am in stand-up is different from the funniness of my sketches on my Instagram sketches or my Instagram posts or my snapchat or twitter like i'm in different lanes of funny that's interesting why is that because they're all different platforms you know there are things that you could say as a stand-up that you could get away as a stand-up because it's an art form where you could you know just get away with pushing the line and that's what stand-up kind of is but you can't do that in instagram instagram is just you take it face value you know there is no deep so and that and you want to be able to provide humor that doesn't cancel you out via cancel yeah. culture yeah it's not cancel culture per se but mainly just like i'm about to drop a sketch soon and it's basically it's me doing a it's like a it's a hair mask tutorial but i'm doing but i keep bringing up my family that kept body shaming my thinning hair so i do it in a funny way obviously i'm not like but you would just have to see the sketch and be like, oh, this is funny. Or like me posting a video. Like you, you stalked my Instagram. I used to do this thing called Monday Motivation, you know, where I would just get, I would just do a dumb, you know, I would give backwards advice. I can't <laughs> do that on stage where I would, it would be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? I, I get but what I you're saying. I can do it yeah. on Instagram. I go, happy Monday Motivation. And I hashtag it. And you always know every Monday was, it was me giving me, giving people backwards advice. Right. So everyone already knew the context by then. And even then the first post, or if you're a new, like, uh, or a new um, follower, you already, like, you kind of got the gist of what was going on. You know, it's same with meme culture. Meme culture is its own avenue of funny now. It's not, like I said, back then it was just stand up, but now you have to be funny in different ways. And the way I think of it is if you could be funny as a stand-up comedian, which is the hardest art form to be funny at, you could be funny in different avenues on Instagram. For me, what I've learned was, oh, I'm, I'm good at writing sketches and acting, but I'm not a good editor and shooting. I had a stand-up clip. I paid, I paid my, one of my other friends uh, just to provide him business, but he did a great job in editing and subtitling the, the stand-up videos. I'm not good at this stuff. So mainly just focus on, focus on your strengths. And there are just things that you're just not good at. Admit it. That's fine. Seek help. Ask your friends, hey, who can edit? Hey, who can write? Hey, I need an actor who can act. You know what I mean? I need softbox lights. 
can anyone help me with some softballs? Like there's anything you need, just reach out, ask for help. Best of luck. <laughs> you know what? You re- you read my mind because my next question was going to be, what is some advice that you could give to a, an aspiring stand-up comedian? And you know what? I think you just hit the nail on the head with that conversation. So thank you for that. Yeah. To man. call back to what was briefly discussed before. If someone listening right now really wanted to collaborate with you, what is the best way to reach out to you? Man, my Instagram, Ahmed from Dallas, plug that, Ahmed from Dallas on TikTok, and Ahmed from Dallas on Twitter. So it's easy, A-H-M-E-D from Dallas. I mean, because no one can spell Al-Qadri correctly, <laughs> so I just say Ahmed from Dallas. It's been uh, really easy to plug. But if you are, yeah, if you want to collaborate, hit me up. Seriously. You know how to edit? Hit me up, bro. (laughs) I'm always down to create things, especially now during this pandemic where stand-up is not as, it's not at 100% yet. If you live in LA, the people who are listening, if you live in LA, I do outdoor comedy shows. Follow me on Instagram. I post all my shows up there. Or just DM me and I'll put you to a list and I'll, I will personally message you on my next show. And if you want to collaborate, hit me up. I love doing comedy sketches. Awesome. <laughs> Any questions, comments, concerns? This was a, by the way, this was a really fun podcast. Oh, good. We have Dude, one more I question. Have, have yeah, one. give it to me. All right. All right. But by the way, all that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode. Ahmed, the question I ask everyone, everyone on this podcast, what will you be famous for? I'm going to be uh, like falling in front of a fountain and then the video is going to go viral and I'm probably going to get famous for that. I'm pretty clumsy. (laughs) 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 I'm going to be famous as a stand-up comedian. It's on my vision board. My late night, my first late night set would be on the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon. That's what I'll be famous for. Hell yeah. Ahmed Al-Khadri, thank you so much, man. It's been an absolute honor to have you on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you, man. I had fun. I really did. You're, you're a great interviewer. You really are. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. If you've listened this far, it must mean you're a thriver. I want to thank you so much for listening. We want to stay connected with you. So please, in order to do that, we need you to follow every single one of our social media platforms. Can you do that? Follow us at Mr. Thrive Media, one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all the same. Also, we want to keep you completely informed as to all the services that we provide. You can do that by going onto our website, www.mrthrive.com. That is mrthrive.com. Have a great day, and thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.